Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Today we have returning to the show, N.T. Wright's foul-mouthed niece, Jamie Wright. How are you, Jamie? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Good. Uncle N.T. says hello. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he was actually on the podcast like uh, a month and a half ago, and he asked about you. He said, how's Jamie doing? And I said, oh, okay. she's doing really good. Yeah. Did you, you should tell him to call me. Do you want his number? Yes. Home actually. number? Yes, please. Okay, I'll send it to you afterwards. <laughs> Uh, today's a big birthday in your household. Isn't like your son's 18th birthday? Oh, we shouldn't talk about it. I will cry. Will you? I will probably, yeah, I will burst into tears. It's so, it's so, yeah, 18 years old. It's so bittersweet. Yeah. It's like the culmination of um, all of your like pride and regret as a parent coming together in one day. Pride and regret? Like, yeah, you, like, like the moments you wish you had back? Is yes, that what you mean? I mean, yeah, like, well, or like all of your failures or whatever, like everything you wish you could have done differently. You're like, well, it's over now. <laughs> so 18 is the moment because it's like, this is an adult now, right? Is yeah. that what it is? I mean, it just feels like a moment and it won't feel like that tomorrow because he's still this kid that lives in my house and that I still have to pay for. But, um, but just like that, the birthday, you just go, oh my gosh, my kid is 18. Yeah. So my oldest is seven and I thought that's 11 years. Like that's until she's 18 and mm -hmm. my middle daughter is four and so she's currently the church i'm a part of she goes to like a tuesday thursday mother's day out thing and i think this might be the last year she's in it and so on thursdays if i get all my work done i pick her up early and then she comes to my office and plays and then we go get a hamburger together and there's like only a few weeks left till school's out and i realize that i only have like 11 more of those thursdays with her mm -hmm. and then i started to cry hysterically and I wanted to like end the world or something. So <laughs> yes, if like that's me father. at four, when she's at four, I don't know what's going to happen at 18. Uh, well, and then, and then you're like, what happened? Like, when did this happen? It, the 11 years or whatever, 15 years, it goes so fast. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a, I have a, tw this is not my first rodeo. I have a 22 year old. And when, he, when he turned 18, I remember thinking, Oh, we still have four years. Till the next one turns 18. I feel like I said that yesterday. Mm -hmm. This crazy. is getting very depressing. I know. Right I, know. Like I, I want to change the subject. Change the subject. Um, what do we want to talk about? Oh, okay. Um, we, we need an opportunity for you to, I guess this really was an opportunity for you to come on the podcast and apologize because there are some mm -hmm. terrible things that were said about me by you when you were in Abilene, Texas a few months ago. And I got the impression you wanted a chance to have some catharsis and just do some confession. It, you actually emailed me and said, <laughs> you owe me an apology. Something lady. like that. Either way, it's, it's the past. I don't think we need to get into the details of it. Oh, no. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what your friends said about you. My friends? Yeah. What did he say? He was your people. Um, he's not really a – he's more an acquaintance. Uh, are you sure? Let's Would he say that? I don't know. Well, what he says doesn't matter. The truth is an acquaintance. Okay. He said, I, you know, I'm trying to remember the conversation because actually I kind of don't, but Ouch. Um, Ouch. it was something about, um, I'll refresh your memory. You said oh, it was okay. that I left my screen on the whole time we were talking and therefore oh, it's awkward, what? which <laughs> that is That's really what it, was. It, came up. it came up because during the last podcast, I didn't realize we were going to FaceTime. And so I had like just come home from the gym and had like, like 
veins bulging out of my forehead and like sweat and I was wearing gym clothes and I was like, nope, not turning my camera on. Which is fine. Not doing it. And you left yours on, which was fine. It was not a big deal. (laughs) And they, I don't even know how it came up, but it came up and your, your people were like, oh my gosh, that's totally something you would do. Mm. I was, was first of all, I didn't know that that was happening. The podcast happened (laughs) two years ago. It's not like I had what I was doing, but I can imagine you just sitting there like this guy just has a screen on for some reason. Why? I don't know. Maybe he's proud of his books or something. Well, they said, they said, um, that was totally something you'd do because you are the like Ken doll of your friend Mm. group of friends or something like that. That's nice. Uh, I mean, uh, and I was like, and then, and then I was like, Really? See that? And that's maybe. what it was. That yeah. that's what I heard about. The really, I feel like that's not really. The they were like, but right. <laughs> they said you would say that. Yeah, I don't. They feel said like... that you are the good-looking one, and I was like, "Are you sure?" Because I don't remember. Gosh. Gosh. I don't remember that. Gosh, no. I f- first of all, that's just hurtful. Um, but still, I feel like the response wasn't really. I mean, I I don't feel like that's a nice thing to say. I mean, I did not say you're ugly. I just didn't remember. Like, honestly, I'm like, looking. I can see you right now. We both have our cameras on. And I was like, oh, okay. I just didn't, I like, couldn't even think of your okay. face. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I'm forgiving you. And that's what this is. This is an olive branch that I'm extending to you <laughs> saying, you're saying, you're... Things, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to move past that. Okay. Well, I appreciate your forgiveness. Thank you. You're for welcome. me not saying that you were good looking. I, this is so <laughs> terrible. This might be the worst thing that's ever happened uh-huh. uh, on, on, uh-huh. on the internet. I might sat and let's move on. What were you in Abilene for besides to make fun of me? What? What were you doing in Abilene? Oh, oh. Um, Abilene, Texas. Speaking. I was speaking at ACU. ACU? Yes. My alma mater. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Talking? Yeah. I went there. Oh, cool. Very nice. Yeah. It was cool. It was a great school. What were you, I, what were we talking about? Missions stuff. Mission stuff. Um, Mm-hmm. I spoke at their chapel. I think it's chapel. I don't know what they call it there. And a wasp flew my hair in really? the middle of, yes, in front of, you know, I don't know, whatever, 2,000 people or something. I don't know what it was. 4,000. We'll go with that. And so it flew in here. What did you do? Well, I didn't know. And someone actually, oh, wow. there was this guy, there was, yeah, there was my hand, I don't know. Your this guy who was on stage, like, got up and was, like, behind me and was kind of, like, trying to interrupt, but not sure if he should. And so I... People were not, nobody knew what was going on. They thought maybe that I had said something heretical or something, and he was trying to interrupt and correct it. I don't know. And then he finally just swooped in and, and while, this is all while I'm speaking. Wow. Um, swooped in and was just like, scooped it out and was like, I'm sorry, you have a wasp in your hair. That was <laughs> awkward. As a missionary, you would think that you would have experience dealing with adverse speaking environments. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever had a wasp in your hair before? Uh, no, that was a first mm, for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. West Texas, especially right there. It's, you're welcome from Texas. Thank we're you. just happy you were there. And so we were going to give you uh, uh, our state bird, which is the uh, the wasp. Oh, nice. Yeah. I wish someone would have warned me. No. no it's, it, well, honestly, it wasn't a big deal. It sort of goes with like the theme of my life, which is that if something awkward or weird can happen, it will. It does happen. That's just, yeah. It's just the story of my life. That's completely understandable. And so you're doing there, doing the missionary stuff, talking mm-hmm. about the life of a missionary. It, it's kind of like that's your, your go-to thing. Do people just go to you as like you're the expert on missionary stuff because you are a blogger that has the word missionary in your title? Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is kind of weird. Isn't that the weirdest thing ever? Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Do you... An authority. 
And so you, you've been back in the States for a couple of years now, is that right? Mm-hmm, three and a half years. Yeah. Do you still like having the missionary conversations? Oh, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so necessary. And um, I love just that I have this opportunity to speak into this system that's really, really broken mm-hmm. and encourage change. It's cool. It's really, I, I feel super honored to even have a position um, in the conversation or a place in the conversation. Yeah. And there's still a lot of change that needs to happen. So, yeah. Cool. So, uh, I wrote a note to myself, email JWW. Jimmy, I added the world's worst. Just I wanted to kind of up your title a little bit, mm-hmm. but I didn't remember who JWW was, but it was written on my to-do list. And so I was like asking, hey, who do you think JWW? Because I have no clue. So I wrote this note to myself. I didn't know what it meant. And then eventually I figured out, oh, yeah, it's emailed Jamie about setting this up for today. Well, I had brought in some of my coworkers about this. and said, oh, Jamie, yes, I love her thing about short-term missions. So yeah. even just your name brings up your critique of one of the things that needs to improve about mission efforts is short-term mission. And I feel like they're all like, yeah, that was a really profound statement. Since you, you wrote that blog post about how um, we need to maybe rethink some of the ways we do short-term missions, ha- have you seen people trying to incorporate that into the way that their churches or maybe them personally are involved in mission work? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've seen it. I've heard from a lot of people that have um, kind of reevaluated the way they do things, the way that they approach the world, the way that they engage outside of their church, the way that they, um, you know, distribute their finances and, and how they send people. I mean, there, there've been a lot of really great changes and a lot of really sensible, um, just a lot of really sensible choices. I think that people have said, Hey, this is, we, we can change a few of these things right now and we can work slowly toward changing some of the bigger stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. And so working towards more long-term, not like I'm just going to go for one week and think I can change the world by being there for a few days, but long-term concerted efforts to make a difference in a sustainable way. That's what you're pointing for. Would that be fair to say? Um, sort of. I would say I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of long-term missions either, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there are, I think there are smarter ways that we could do that. And I think there are a lot of great people who are exploring that and mm-hmm. pursuing um, careers that will impact the world. In, yeah. in more significant ways, which is awesome. And so when people hear you say, well, maybe I'm not a big fan of long-term missions either, maybe explain to them what your ideal type of work that a church could be supporting and being a part of. Mm-hmm. You know, I honestly, I just wish we would stop using the word missions, missionary and missional. It's so nebulous and confusing. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. Like if you say, if, if somebody says, what do you do? And you say, I'm a missionary. They'll say, oh, that's cool. What do you do? Because it doesn't mean anything. Um, So I think if we could get outside of that language and really be specific, um, we would be able to send the right people to do the right things in the Mm. right places. Um, I really feel like missions, the mission of the church should be to build the church. Um, And that's not, I, I have a huge heart for social justice and justice issues. And I think that we have a responsibility as well to, to provide clean water and to, to provide, um, you know, law and economy and all kinds of things that help people live. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as like what missions should be, I believe it should be equipping pastors to lead local churches all Mm. over the world, wherever that is outside of that, we should be sending experts to do what they do. So 
instead of sending volunteers long-term or short-term all mm -hmm. over the world, we should be sending experts and people who have gone to college to be social workers, to mm -hmm. do social work, or people who have been studied, you know, architecture to build buildings and, and yeah. actual construction workers to do construction, whatever it is. Um, we should, we just have to get out of that, like over spiritualized language that lets us send anybody anywhere to do anything mm -hmm. and really, um, nail down our purpose. Yeah. And truly, I think if we invest in the global church, um, the need, the, the, the global church should provide for the local church to meet the needs of their community. Mm -hmm. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, that's good. So the, the person who wants to do something to make a difference, um, in a part of the world that is not as privileged as, you know, comfortable, you know, part of the States and they want to help. They don't want it to be just like the short term thing, but they want to commit a part of their life to serving one part of the world for a long period over their life. What is, what's the way that uh, would be the most effective way to, to use their skills and talents for that? They should go get a job in that part of the world. Okay. Like but, an actual job. But what if they live in Texas and they're like, Texas is awesome. So I don't want to leave Texas. Is they there a way to stay in Texas? Stay in Texas. Can they ever? Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is like if you um, if you want to go, whatever. I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. I don't know if if you want to go um, work in rescue in in like rescue out of um, sex trafficking in Southeast mm -hmm. Asia, then you should find an expertise that's going to contribute to that fight. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to be an investigator, you should go be a, be trained, be a trained mm -hmm. investigator. We should be sending police and, um, like people with actual training oh. to go do that thing. If you want to be, um, if you want to have work in the area of like care and restoration for kids or women who are pulled out of these situations, mm -hmm. you should be a social worker. You should know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so pursue that in your yeah. home country, in your home state, wherever you are, get the experience necessary to do a good job and then go get a job doing that thing in that country. There are NGOs all over the world that are already doing this work that will hire you. Hmm. So what about the guy who works at, like, say, Dell, and he's got a couple of weeks off in the summer and he wants to do something to help. What do you think the best way for him to use his talents, which, okay, say he wants to do something with sex trafficking. Um, you know, he knows whatever he knows about computers. That's mm -hmm. He can't see a direct correlation to that, but he wants to help. So he's got a few weeks in the summer or he's got a few weeks in the fall, whatever, and he's got some money to spend. How do you think he should use that? I think he should vet an organization that he finds out is doing good work. He should mm -hmm. examine their practices and make sure that they're doing good, significant work in the world. And then he should contact them and say, hey, I have two weeks this summer and this much money. How can I help you best? Hmm. And let them decide. And, and then also receive it if they say, you know what, we don't have a place for you. I'm sorry. Because that's another thing we need to be able to do as leaders and in these organizations is to be able to say, we don't just take volunteers to do anything. Um, we're selective. And that's mm -hmm. it's just, it's okay. Yeah. Why do you think I like me, like not me personally, but why do you think I want to go there and I have a week, so I want to do something and I want to go to this part of the world and, and be there. What do you think is the, the impulse that makes that so much more attractive than saying, okay, I'm going to spend $2,000 on this trip to get me there and to do something. Why is that more attractive than just writing a check for $2,000 to an organization of professionals? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think it, I think that comes from a really legitimate place. I think that God created the world and God created us and we're connected. And um, a lot of people have an inherent um, 
need or desire to see the world. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. The world is incredible. It's this, it's a work of art. And why wouldn't we want to travel and appreciate it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's, that's, that comes from a really genuine place um, that God built into us. But it doesn't mean that it's always the most sensible thing to do. Do I think we should travel? Absolutely. I just don't think we should do it on the dime of the church. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is like respecting a theology of giftings. Like there are certain people who are gifted to do certain things. And if you're a hand, you shouldn't try to do the work of a foot. And if you're a foot, you shouldn't try to be a shoulder. Like you respect that there are people with talents and gifts and you want to let people do their thing and get out of their way while Mm -hmm. still being able to be respectful for the gifts that you have. Right. So I'm, right. I, I like that. I think that's really good. What do you think? So church is the same thing. They're trying to find, instead of saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to fix the world by sending 20 people to this place. Um, maybe there's an, like, how do you think churches then can re reframe their discussion on missions? If we're getting rid of the word mission, we're, we're creating new language. Mm-hmm. What do you think we should try to work into the DNA of our churches as we want to make a difference in the world? We want to help. We want to realize that we have uh, probably some more, resources being in a country like America than say somewhere else, what are, what should we be thinking? Um, I think we need to be adopting language like um, partnership and core competency. Um, core competency. Expertise. Yeah. Like what's your core competency? Where, where do you, what are you good at? And then what do, how do we lean into that? How do we identify your gifts and help you um, use them to the best of your abilities mm-hmm. rather than just taking volunteers to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, take, it, it requires a lot more work on the church's part, right? Because we actually have to know people. Yeah. We actually have to invest in them and know who they are, know what they do and what they're good at and where they fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I just, I think we could help people have a much healthier interaction with, like, their acts of service. Yeah. What, so the, the teenager, like the parent who knows, if I send my kid to this part of the world for a week – it's going to reshape their perspective on the material things they have, and it's going to help them to realize, oh, my goodness, I'm so blessed. Um, what if a parent wants that, but they don't want to you know, disrespect and to waste resources mm-hmm. by you know, maybe doing a traditional short-term mission trip? Mm-hmm. They should um, take a vacation. Take a vacation? Yeah, they should take their kids on a vacation mm-hmm. to a different part of the world. Where they're, when you take your kids on vacation, you are supporting economies. You're giving, you're creating dignified jobs. You're creating, mm. it's, you're investing in sustainable industry and you're showing your kids the world, which is your responsibility, not the church's. I've never thought of going on a vacation as helping an economy, but obviously it does. It, oh, for sure. If you're going on vacation and not hiring prostitutes, you're creating jobs for, for women who otherwise would perhaps have to sell themselves like you're you're creating when you eat in restaurants and you invest in their national parks and whatever you're you're building a healthy dignified industry mm-hmm. it's it's super valuable mm-hmm. and just to be completely clear i fully support not getting prostitutes when you're on vacation or not on vacation i know Both i haven't times. done it in ages ages mm-hmm. good um, i've never done that good um Good. But yes, it's a, it's a good thing to support, you know, to say, you know what, on this vacation, no prostitutes. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a good slogan. Hashtag no prostitutes. Hashtag no prostitutes. <laughs> I know you've got a new book coming out. I saw that. Have, oh do you have God. a title for it? If not, maybe you want to think about that. 
hashtag no prostitutes. You know what? Maybe that will be a chapter. Actually, that really could be a chapter. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll give you credit. That would I'd I be think... like, this guy, I can't remember what he looks like. He told me this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. Hashtag um, no prostitutes. Hashtag. I would really like, what, what are you really writing the book about? Oh gosh, this is so uncomfortable to talk about. I don't even know. I mean, I know, but. Okay. Um... So you sent a book proposal in probably, right? Yes, I did. Okay. So you sent a couple chapters in, maybe oh a synopsis God. or something, an outline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what, what was one of the chapters about that you sent in? <laughs> um, one of the chapters is called butt hair milkshake. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and about. It's not oh, a cookbook, is it? No, it's about when I was a teenager, someone put butt hair in my milkshake and it okay. changed my whole life forever. Hmm. And um, there's a chapter about <laughs> sex shop. Gosh. <laughs> sex shop. In our little historic district in our town. What town um, is this? Here in Folsom, California, where oh. I lived. Hmm. Sound, mm-hmm. it's it sounds interesting. It sounds like it's going to be picked up by a lot of Christian bookstores. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yes, for sure. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, because they don't care if you use the word <laughs> in your book at all. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> they don't care. You can you can like bleep that out. Right? I, I might have to. Yeah. I don't know. Do it. Do it. It'll be funnier because then everyone will be like, oh, my God, what did she say? say? What did she say? Yeah. Yeah. I've had to bleep a few people, but Mm -hmm. uh, no, just one. I think, but I might have to do it right there. That was good. Uh, So you got a book that you're working on. You've got Uh a couple chapters written. Do you have like a timeline? When do you think you're going to be done with this? Uh, I am told it should come out, like the book should actually be published mid to mid 2017. Wait, a year. So a year from, which means you probably have like a, a, a full manuscript done. Don't, no, 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 that just made me sick to my stomach. Really? That just made my, yes. I no, I don't have a full manuscript done. No. Okay. These people like, I don't even, I don't even know why they trust that you're just going to write the rest of the book. They said you sell them an idea and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's weird. But, but you're, but you're doing it. So you're writing, you're kind of writing a book. Oh my God. It's the scariest thing ever. Why is it so scary to write? You like, you blog, that's kind of like writing chapters. Kind of, but I don't know. But like, like my, my blog belongs to me. Like I can always go in there and change it Mm -hmm. or delete it or explain it or apologize for it. Mm -hmm. You know, a book, a book goes out without you. And it's just, just, that's embarrassing. You can't touch it because it's already there. Yeah, people can just form their opinions and be like, look how dumb this chick is. And like, maybe I changed my mind. Oh my gosh. It's scary. But then you just have to write another book after that because your mind's going to change. Right. That's like having a collection of journals in the world. You know, (laughs) who wants that? Okay. So, you know how Adele has her albums named after her age, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really like charming thing. But I heard that she's going to stop doing it after this one. Like, this is the last one that's based on her age. So maybe Mm -hmm. you could pick that mantle up and you could just say, whatever age you are right now, which I'm not going to ask, you just put that as the book for this year. And then when you have the revision of it or your next book, you just put it the next year. And so they know that's the the smarter Jamie. Theoretically, you'll be smarter as you get older. That is interesting. That's an interesting thought. Um, you writing it down? I think you just wrote that down. No, I'm, I'm, my husband's calling me and I'm mm. just saying, no, I'm not no. answering. Okay. Okay. Um, fair enough. <clears throat> he's very impatient when he, he texts. He's like, where are you? What's going on? I do the same thing as my wife. I understand it's that. It's weird. 
Um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not naming my books after my age. Okay. No. All right. Not not going to do that. I'm just That's here for not I, your best idea. Not my best one. Mm-hmm. Is the hashtag no prostitutes the best That's idea I've had so far? Probably your best idea ever. Maybe. Ever? Wow. I don't know. I don't know you that well. Maybe if it is, uh, you need to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a pretty good idea. So, um, okay, so you're working on a book. We're not really sure what the title is going to be. You're, you're terrified well, I, of the writing? I, I think, actually, I do think, I, I know the title, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, don't, I don't no, know no, what no, the rules no, no, no. are, so I'm figuring this out as I go. No, you don't, you don't need to say that until you're, until you're ready for it. And you're kind of scared of the process. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. The, like, like the, like the longevity of a book. Like it sits on your shelf forever. Like mm-hmm. books right behind me, like they were written a long time ago and they're still there. Mm-hmm. That's that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But those are probably like literature, right? Like they're probably good. Like, so I'm not like super worried that, you know, after I'm dead, someone will be like, look at this book on my shelf. But it is weird that a book outlives you. Like it's, it's just weird. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is kind of a weird thing to think that like what you said at that point in your life is now what people think always about your opinion and your worldview. Like that, mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. When, um, so I'm 34 year old, 34 years old right now. And when I started preaching, I was like 18. And so that was like a long time ago. And one of the things I'm most grateful for is that there was not like the internet as it currently is right now back then, because there would be MP3s of me preaching back then that I would be horrified if people heard. Because Uh like, I don't, I don't think I helped people get into heaven with my preaching back then. I don't think I hurt a whole lot of people's chances of getting in, but I definitely don't think I made it a whole lot easier to get in. And mm-hmm. if more people heard that, I think it would be worse for like heaven and earth. So the same thing like with book, like you, like whatever you say, it's people, people will hear it. It's just out there. Yeah. yeah like like forever. So I don't know. It's scary. So what about this? You just stop writing the book and focus full time on driving Uber. Cause I hear you start doing that. <laughs> I did it for like a week. Well, I did it. That was a very temporary thing. My husband did it and because he's like an extrovert and he was just like, I want something fun to do. He thinks it's fun. Um, But then if you refer other drivers, you get cash. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it for this number of times to get this cash bonus or whatever. So it's like a super, I I wish I, I don't even know why I said anything online. I shouldn't have. It was dumb, but it was like this super quick thing in my life um, that I hope I never have to do again. Really? Yeah, because I'm an introvert. So yeah, like, it seems like that's a bad recipe for an introvert. Oh, it's the worst. I'm not good at small talk, and I don't care about you. So, I mean, not you specifically, but thank you for clarifying that. I had an Uber driver once look me up on Facebook afterwards and send me a follow up message. Did you ever do that? No, no, no. Okay. no. I the last Uber that I took um, ended with the Uber driver crying and give and asking for my number. She, it was a chick and she told me her life story. She started sobbing. We hugged. We hugged. Really? Did that I hurt? hugged an Uber driver. Wait, you were driving them or she was driving no, you? No, no. She was driving me. Like my Uber driver broke down into In tears, tears and hugged me and wow. then asked for my number. Did you give her the I correct did. number? I totally did. I don't, I haven't given anyone a fake number since I was like 15. So it just didn't even like. You didn't even think about it. And I couldn't think of a reason not to. I just, it was such an awkward, it was, that's the rule. If something awkward can happen, it will. It's going to happen to Jamie. What, what happened with that person? Did she continue to call you? She texted me once. And then 
That was it. Did you respond? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. What, what was I going to say? Like, this is in another state, too. This isn't, like, one of my neighbors. This was, like, this is not a person that I'm going to have a relationship with. You, it was just you, some random Uber driver. You should have found someone with a core competency of compassion to, to talk to her. I know. I know. That's, that's what we need right then. That's right. You're absolutely right. We need Uber evangelists, mm-hmm. people who just hire Uber drivers so they can evangelize them. Yeah, that would be that'd be probably easier for you than than doing that yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So you're an introvert who likes to write, and so doing the Uber thing it just doesn't seem like the right recipe for you. Oh, it's so painful. It's super painful. And you also, um, as I've stalked you on the internet, know that you uh, were working at like a hardware store. <laughs> Yes, which as, I had to quit a, to write this book. Huh. That also seems very extroverty because you're like talking to people, as, but no, you just. It's different though because it's quick. It's everybody's moving all the time. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. I, I really like. I really. I, that's a job I miss. Why did you pick? It was a hardware store, construction store. Mm-hmm. No, like Lowe's. I worked at Lowe's. Lowe's. Oh, Lowe's. Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Little what? red apron, all of it. Oh yeah, because it's a blue with a red. Why did you pick working at a Lowe's and instead of like a different kind of retail? Because it seems like it's predominantly gentlemen in a Lowe's uh, to be very sexist. And so it seems I... like as a female, there would be extra conversation from the male predominant audience of a Lowe's. That is true. Mm-hmm. There are lots of dudes in Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't thinking about it when I was putting out like little job applications for just a super part-time job. Mm-hmm. So you just thought I mean, it's just, and that's the, they're the, that's who hired me. Okay. Like, it's not like you can walk into any retail store and be like, you hire me now. Okay. I didn't so, know. I'm just asking. So why, why do you miss the job so much? It was just really fun. It was, it was really fun. It's totally, it's so far from the church bubble, like working Mm-hmm. in a hardware store is so different than being trapped in this like Christian bubble, which as a pastor's wife and, you know, faith writer and whatever I find myself in so often. Um, it was just refreshing and fun. And, and I loved that. I love my coworkers were awesome. Mm-hmm. And there is just a hardware store is like the perfect cross section of society because everybody needs a hardware store. You have yeah. like, a, a like rich chick with a dog in a bag standing next to a tweaker and they're talking about spray paint together. Like hmm. they're just comparing spray paint notes or whatever. Like it's just crazy um, diverse. I loved it. It was, it was cool. Did you card the tweaker when he was trying to buy um, spray paint? Cause I, I think you have to card everybody when they have spray paint. Really? Mm-hmm. Like side note, why? Why do you card people? It's the law. I don't, I don't know. The law says, I think, you have to card them. I, I mean, I'm watching Breaking Bad, but I'm not sure. Is that part of the, the recipe for, like, crystal meth or something? Or is it... Oh, gosh. You need to get out of the church once in a while. What? I'm, Sudafed is part of it? They, I don't they know. I was, it. They huff it. Oh, they huff... Yeah. Sorry, I'm not down with the street drugs as much as you are, clearly. My bad. It's spray paint meth? <laughs> I didn't know. I was just wondering. Yeah. No, it could be some other thing. I don't know, but it's generally they. I think they just have it. My so. kids aren't old enough to start doing that stuff, so I haven't researched it. That's my bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, if your girls ever come home, like in second grade, and they have just like spray paint all over their mouth and face, you'll know mm-hmm. they're huffing. What if they're just trying to be on Mad Max? 
And so they spray the silver in their face. Oh, oh, well, that's different. It's, that's okay. I, I Is guess. It? I don't know. You know what? Your family's going to have to decide what's okay for your kids. I don't know. You know, and you just talked about that on Facebook where you don't want to make generalized uh, yes. suggestions. Yes. Yeah. So, but would you make a generalized suggestion about like you shouldn't let your kids huff spray paint? Like, yes, we agree on that. Um, you know, whatever floats your boat. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, real talk, though, real talk. Uh, parenting, people like when they're given specifics of like this is the right thing to do. And I'd assumed as, as a famous blogger, it would help your traffic if you give specifics. Like these are the three things you need to do to raise good kids. But you don't want to do that. Why, why do you not want to give specifics like that? Well, it's all like it's, there's so much like, how do I know? My kids are still, I'm still raising kids. Like, my kids, my kid could, my kids, they're good now. Mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, they, they have issues. They need therapy. Like, I've done so much junk that has not been good for them. So I'm not going to tell anybody how to raise kids. What I do, what, I'm not afraid to say, like, this is how we do it. Yeah. But I'm not going to say this is how you should do it. Like, that's crossing a line. Because you know your kids. I don't know your kids. Mm-hmm. And I know that. Why do you think other people don't have that thing that goes off in their head to say, wait a minute, we're not perfect. Like my, this recipe does not make the best soup in the world. It's the recipe that works for us and we like this soup. But m- how many times do you find Christian leaders who write books about, let me, let me give you five things about being the best parent ever. And you go, but like your education, like you, you're a preacher, like you learned how to read the Bible. That doesn't mean you have a degree in child psychology. Why, why do you think that doesn't go off in other people's head? I don't know. I don't know. I think some people are really comfortable with authority, which I'm not. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and I, I think some people, yeah, they just really like to think they've got things figured out, but you know, get those people's kids alone in a room and hear what they say about their parents. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Cause it's, if you look at the majority of pastors' kids, uh, there is a stereotype for them typically not being as well-adjusted as other kids. So it mm-hmm. seems like, wait a minute, why are pastors writing parenting books when the stereotype about pastors' kids is not a good one? Right. But the the truth is everybody, like, I don't think there's any um, profession that you can look at and go, oh, they raise good kids. Hmm. Like, you can't, because parenting is such a crapshoot. Think about the people you know. And like whether or not they had good or bad parents, you know, kick-ass people who had amazing parents and, you know, kick-ass people whose parents were turds. Like you just do. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, you know, people who are who you look at them, and you go, you know, what? you're a really good parent. And some of their kids turn out amazing and some of their kids turn out awful. Like, it's just not none of us know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. that. Okay, so there isn't one profession you go, oh, yeah, you, you, yeah, those kids are great. So then why do they do the pastor's kids thing? Is it just because pastors are held to a higher standard, standard and they're expected to be, like, perfect as parents? Do you think that's why that stereotype is perpetuated? I guess. I, mean, I, I guess think, the idea is that you're living out biblical values at home or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> like we do that. Oh, jeez. I do. No, I don't. I try. I do try. Uh, yeah. But there's not one profession that has the perfect kids, and there's not, like, a one-to-one correlation of, like, if you're the best parent in the world, then your kids are always going to be perfect, because that's that's not it. Like, we're all a mixed bag of, yeah, mm-hmm. we do the best we can. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Good. Jamie, this has been fun. Oh, oh I want to ask you what about your most recent blog. Or it was, like, 
Christmassy or something like that. The one about the, the mask on the airplane, about putting that on. Oh. And you're talking about your husband, like you had a little clip of your husband preaching on there. Nice. Shout oh, out yeah. to him on there. Well done on yeah. that. Appreciate it. Um, I don't know why I appreciate that. Does he appreciate it? He should. I don't know. I'm sure he, he probably does. doesn't even know. He does. Does he not read the blog? <laughs> no, God, no. He's like, I have to live with it. I'm not going to subject myself to extra. That's funny. Yeah, because my wife doesn't listen to podcasts. And I've got a buddy who was on, who's a sports guy. He's like the, the local ESPN morning guy. And, I was, and they're part of our church. And I asked her, I was like, so do you listen to your husband? She goes, uh, no, no. Because you, they, they, yeah, that's enough. Yeah. Um, so you talk about self-care and the, the importance of it and how uh, you make the joke. If you're on a plane and it's going down and you had to choose between like your kid suffocating and yourself, like, of course you're going to put it on your kid. Like, you know, it's wrong, mm-hmm. but you're going to put it on your kid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to take care of that immediate need of the person that you love the most before you put on your own mask. No. You just are. That's yeah. So how do you think? In that one situation, I think we all go, okay, yeah, it's fair. It's your kid, whatever. But like as a rule of life, that typically is not sustainable long-term. Mm-hmm. Why, do you th- why do you think it's so hard for people to do self-care? Um, well, I think because it feels selfish. Hmm. You know, we're, we're constantly like reminding ourselves that it's not about us and we need to be servants and we need to be serving and we need to be giving and we need to be giving of ourselves and we need to live open-handed. And, and all those things are good and true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it at some time, sometimes, not always, it comes at the cost of like neglecting our own spiritual care or our own marriages or our own children or our own, um, just personal, mental and physical health. And that's where it gets, mm-hmm. that, that's where it gets sketchy mm-hmm. you know, is when we just go completely, um, we, we completely fail to care for ourselves while we're attempting to care for others. And then we're just, nobody's taking care of anybody. It's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, what is helpful to get people to move past this feeling that it's selfish for me to withdraw, to practice solitude or silence? Like what helps people move past that hang up? I don't know. I think, I mean, for me, it's, it was kind of identifying the difference between self indulgence and self care. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you get a lot of like getting my nails done, hashtag self care, Yeah. which great. I mean, if that makes you feel good or whatever, that's okay. But it is, that is more, I, I would say like along the lines of indulgence and, um, but really like caring for your soul and caring for your body. It, it, it's generally not easy. It takes a little bit of effort and, and investment in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would say really, if it's something that is connecting you closer to God, like if it's something that's drawing you toward God, like prayer or, you know, centering or, um, even whether, you know, coffee with a, with a friend that you can talk to that stuff about like big, important things with that kind of thing. Um, I'd call that self care rather than like being selfish. Yeah, that's good. That's a good reminder. It's easy to, uh, uh, to forget the value of those things, but there's also like you're saying, like people like, I don't want to say like abuse it, but if, if you think of self care as doing things that really aren't formational it's not really self-care like there's mm-hmm. there's certain things that like the church has said over many years like these things are really good for your soul and you're better off when you do them those are probably the things that we should be focusing on like it's mm-hmm. okay let's do that mm-hmm. jamie we gotta run but this has been great your book's gonna be out like in a year from now 
maybe. Hopefully. Well, yeah, well, well, fingers crossed. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like a you, you say, like when you get it done, it gets out there middle next year. Yeah. Hashtag no prostitutes. I would, mm-hmm. I'd be really honored if that was actually a title of it a chapter. Very well, maybe. Give me a percentage. Are we talking like 10%, 20%, 100%? Um, I, I ha- honestly have no idea. I'll say that as a 64% chance. That's good. We'll just guess that. 64% chance that there will be a hashtag no prostitutes chapter. Or we can even like tag that on this actual podcast on the internet as a way to kind of promote good virtues of our listeners. So, mm-hmm. And then it will be connected when the book comes out. It's good. That's a good idea. Cross-platform promotion. Contamination. Contem- can- same thing. Sure. Sure okay. enough. Jamie, thank you for your time. You're my hero. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.